Welcome to another episode of Rockstar Violinist, Electric Violin Shop's podcast that features string players exploring non-classical styles of music. We've had some amazing stories so far on this podcast, and this week's is no different. Azima grew up as a classically trained violinist in Nebraska and moved to New York City to pursue that career. But she has always known that it wasn't going to be just classical for her. She started posting violin covers on social media, and it wasn't long before her obvious talent separated her from the masses. She started getting calls, and before you know it, she was performing with Beyonce and Stevie Wonder. Just this summer, one of her videos went viral, and she went from relative obscurity to online fame literally overnight. But we will let her tell the story. In the meantime, we'll remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Kodabo, the premier manufacturer of carbon fiber bows. We will definitely talk more about Kodabo later in this episode, but big thanks to them and for their support, which allows us to travel to meet up with some of these incredible artists and get their stories. Azima's schedule is crazy, and we caught her between a session and some teaching. Now, it's not fair to starve a hardworking artist, so we met up in a cafe in New York City. You'll hear a little background noise as well as our interactions with our servers as we grab a little snack. Oh, and by the way, you're listening to her tune, Give It Up, produced by Velocity Music and premiered on Billboard.com. We will hear more from her as we go. So with no further chatter from me, here is my chat with Azima, rock star violinist. Classical music. 
Well, I mean, I'd always listen to like other stuff. My father's West Indian, so I listened to a lot of reggae growing up and like funk and like that kind of stuff. But when I was in new school, in my last semester, I took a class in electronic music production, which is where I started working with Ableton. And like when I saw, I was like, okay, I worked so hard at the violin, but you can make like something equally cool with a laptop yeah. and like a few. Like I was blown away. I had no idea. And it, I just stayed in my dorm and like would stay up and just work on stuff and make kind of crappy beats and play every it was kind of dorky stuff, but it really opened my eyes and I bought like MIDI controllers and I got really into Ableton and then that's when I started putting out content on social media and then got like positive responses and so kind of from there started to spread. And I always knew like I love the violin, but I, I never really saw myself in like a normal classical context. I think never. I always hated orchestra. I hated orchestra. Oh my god. There's nothing worse than orchestra. I was just like sit there bored. Which is weird. I don't know why. Yeah, like, I never had to play in an orchestra. I played trumpet, so I was in a school band. Oh. Which was fun. But like I think I played like a youth orchestra like one time and I was like Did you like it? No, this is horrible. I don't wanna do this. Oh my god, I, I really unless I was concert master, then I would like be a little diva and like whatever but if I really just didn't like it and that's like kind of the path I feel like for a lot of musicians it's, I love chamber music but I was like I don't I want to make money I have to eat <laughs> I have to eat like so then I kind of started um, doing more pop stuff and like got an electric violin and started doing more of that type of stuff and if you really I'm learning if you really market yourself you can be so successful so successful I'm just starting to do that, but that's kind of a little, yeah. like, in a nutshell, how I got to where I am. So, when you first started messing around with Ableton and making loops and, and doing all that and playing, and then the thought occurred, hey, I should play along with these on my violin? Yeah, like, I would, so I you had know, a keyboard, I'd play stuff, um, and originally what I would do is I would take a lot of classical stuff and and turn it into more pop pieces. So I did something with Sibelius Concerto. Oh, yeah. Um, I added, like, vocals and, like... It was really cool, actually. I'll send it to you. Um, And I did, like, you know, more disco types of, but really pop, like, very pop type things. And, you know, with violins and vocals. And um, I loved it. It was just, like, such a passion project for me. Like, I just, I was like, that's all I was thinking about was how can I make stuff? Yeah. And um, it was really crazy because I had always felt a little bit um, boxed. And finally, it was like this whole other world I didn't know existed that I, someone like me, could have access to. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So then you started posting some of this stuff on social media. You just sort of started your own little Instagram page for your friends or whatever. Yeah, like it, it never, like I never intended to be one of those violin pages. I always thought that was so dorky. Like, why would you post videos that you play? Like, cause to me, it's like I play the violin. Like. Who cares? But to other people, this is new and they're, they want to learn and they want to see. And so I started posting stuff and just like the response was really shocking. Because I think when you grow up with something your whole life, like you have blue eyes. To someone who has brown eyes, you're like, wow, blue eyes. Like, you know what I mean? Like you take these things for, and I, that's how I felt about the violin. And I realized that in putting stuff out there, like I was getting emails, like you inspire me, like. Da, 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 like questions what's the tip for like doing spiccato like like these things and I was like wow and then I um, kind of just 
kept doing my own thing. You know, Beyonce reached out to me, Stevie Wonder. Like, I was getting specific work as a violinist, but then it wasn't until April that I had a video that went viral. And that's kind of when things just blew up. You're and talking April this year. April of this year. And that, that was the mask off video, right? Yeah, the future thing. Yeah. Um, who's, yeah, that kind of changed everything. Now, I'm sure you've seen the, we actually posted the uh, the comparison video with you and D-Sharp. Oh, really? Yeah, and <laughs> it went, it went crazy. People, like, I don't know what it was, but people just went nuts. In fact, you were in, you were like the Bahamas for a little while during that, right? Or where'd you? I no, was in you were Haiti. So, in Haiti. Yeah, you were because I mean, we were talking while you were down there. Yeah, I was in Haiti. And I was like, you, you're aware that this is blown up, right? I know. I, I, I had, like, it's funny. I just made the video. I was supposed to like, be working on, because I'm working on an album. I was supposed to be, like, doing some drafts and stuff. And then I was like, you know what? Let me just do a little video for Mask Off. Literally just, you know, like, figured something out, posted it, and I woke up the next day and was like, I have 22,000 or whatever followers. Yeah. From 6,000. Like, I never thought it's mind-blowing. Yeah. Mind-blowing. It, it took off. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. I think, like, pretty much everything you've done since then has also, I mean, that that sort of newfound fame has, has definitely yeah. exploded. People are liking it. And I'm always like, really? Well, if only you knew what I'm really like. <laughs> like, how weird I am. We well, said so many Haiti recognized you from the video, right? Yes, I was in the airport like, are you the the, the violin girl? Like people always do this funny like yeah, they you show, know, yeah, they're like, they show are you the, the like an air violin? Like, do you really have to air violin? Is that, <laughs> is that really necessary? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they do that for other professions. I know, I don't if think anyone like. Are they like moving their hands? Yeah, are like, you are you the football? No, you know what I think it is? I think it's because the violin is, yes, everyone knows the instrument, but it always feels really exotic to people, I think. Yeah. I think it's like a very unexpected instrument to people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it is. But you're like, it's pretty, I don't know. That's what I always said, especially with hip-hop. But like you said, you know, you've been playing your whole life. So it's like, to me, it's just one of those, like, you can play the violin like, hey, I can walk too. I've been doing yeah, that Yeah, you know? that's exactly what it's like. Except walking is easier. <laughs> Usually, unless I'm tripping and falling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zima mentioned her viral video, her take on Mask Off by Future. A ton of people posted their versions of that tune under hashtag Mask Off Challenge. But hers was special. It blew up. It was picked up by BuzzFeed, Entertainment Weekly, USA Today, CBS, and more, and propelled her to international fame. Her Instagram account gained 50,000 followers almost overnight. that Beyonce had reached out to you. Tell us a little bit about that. How how that get started? Well, I it was actually a Facebook message. I kid you not. Her musical director sent me a message and was like, "Hey, my client loves you. Like, she thinks your work's amazing. Your skill, but um, we have some shows coming up. Can you play with us?" And I was like, 
like, hey, hey, who's your client? Like, I'd love to. What's the pay? Like, you know, normal, like, right. gigging questions. I, I can't disclose that information. I was like, all right, you know, I don't know. If, I was like, you know, I'm busy. Like, I don't know if I can cancel yeah. everything, you know, from 11 a.m. to 3 a.m. Like, he gave this, like, ridiculous time frame every day. Because she just kind of rolled in whenever. Right. And um, I was like, I think I'm going to have to, I don't think I can do this. He's like, before you say no, why don't you Google my name? I Google this guy's name. And I learned my lesson. Google everyone. You never know who you're talking That's to. True. You never know. And sure enough, this is the guy who did her whole tour, like does all the arranging, the band produced but Grammys for her album, he did production for her, and he's like, and now we're really good friends. And like it's crazy. I was there and and remember my first day, we did like just the band and the second day I walk in and she is like right. iconic grade, like, like the singing. most famous woman on the planet. I know, and I'm like, <laughs> I, I like for me, I've grown up adoring her. I like stopped and had like, my, she's like, hi, hi, Ian, like so great. I don't know. Like, I was like, <laughs> I was like such a dork. So, where but, had she seen you on Instagram or Facebook? Or I think it was my YouTube. Okay, it must have been my YouTube. And like, I don't even get that's the thing is, I had very low views, like 200 views. And I'm not even like, but you never know. It's, the number doesn't matter. It's who's there. Who is who was one of those 200 people? I know, and yeah. I think it's really easy to focus, especially with social media, on numbers. That's true. But numbers don't mean shit. I'm sorry, but they don't. There's so many people with high numbers who aren't getting paid, who are broke. <laughs> you know, it's like there are people with low numbers who are popping. Like, yep. so, that's true. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I could I could probably name a half a dozen people in each category. I can too. It's so so true. So I, I lived in Houston for a long time and she's from Houston. So yeah, I, I know a lot of people who knew her back in the back in the early days. Yeah. Um, and I guess she's in New York now. She's right? kinda all over. Like I think yeah, she's based in LA, New York. They have like eighty thousand houses. But she's you know, taking a little time off because she's got some personal business to take personal, care of. Personal right two now. personal businesses. Yeah. <laughs> But has there been any talk about her starting back up again next year? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, she's very private. Um, all I know is that Coachella, she was supposed to play for Coachella, we were supposed to play for Coachella, but I was canceled because of, I think the doctor said she can't, like, and she works so hard, she totally would go out there and do some crazy, like, hologram, like, fire squad, like, whatever, yeah, exactly. like, epic thing, but they're, like, just chill. And, yeah, it's good, like, she's worked so hard, so. So the, I guess the arrangement is that when she goes back, she's going to call you. Is that the deal? If she wants violin. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you played for Stevie Wonder, too. Yeah. That so was I, the, the most amazing thing. I saw him in Nam in, uh, oh. in January. He was just walking around in L.A. Oh um, so, so you've actually played with him some. Yeah, it was and, so fun. Yeah, tell us about that. I mean... I got the calls at the gym, and they were like, hey, Stevie needs an extra violinist, can you come? And I was like, what time? They're like, in an hour, and I live far uptown. This was in Central Park, we did the free show. I had no idea what tunes they were gonna play, but fortunately, growing up, Stevie Wonder was like the playlist at home. Sure. So I knew everything, but he just, there was, I didn't know the set, it was just, we just jammed. Just straight improv. Straight improv, and like, you know, parts, you know, choruses, I double the horns or whatever, because sure. you just know it, but it was 
crazy. And it was only supposed to be a 30 minute thing, but he went like an hour and 15 minutes. And the best ears I've ever, he hears everything. Yeah. Everything. I was like. Yeah, I've not seen him live, but uh, my old guitar player got a chance to catch him in San Francisco. And my old guitar player can play. And he said that it's the best band I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was so easy to play with them. Because everything was just tight. Tight, tight, tight. So, I was like, alright. Awesome. This is great. Let me just... Have you got some film of that? I don't know. I feel like there's cell phone footage. But I just... I didn't even shower before. Just straight there from the gym. Yep. That's awesome. I'm sure his nose is very good. But he didn't say anything. An opportunity not. She didn't answer, right? Seriously, that's how it is here. It's like... You just have to drop everything and go. So the life of a gigging musician in New York City, it's not cheap to live here at all. So expensive. So how much of your time do you spend just taking, I'll take whatever gig comes by just to pay the rent, and how much do you spend like focusing on where I want to be? I mean, that's tough. That's tough. Um, well, now I, I've been doing a lot of events, um, like private parties and stuff like that, which pay really well for very little work, <laughs> which is great. Um, but you know, with stuff like that, a little bit of you is always just like, I'm selling my soul. Like, I'm just in the club, playing for like three minutes. People listen, they're like, oh, this is cool, but it's not really. O-M-G. O-M-G, that was amazing too. In case you guys haven't noticed, we're, we're eating at a cafe in New York right now. So uh, we're going to sit here and eat and talk, and you guys can... If you want, just grab something yourself and we can all eat together. <laughs> okay, you have to tell them what you have, Matt. Oh, yeah. So I ordered the uh, the peanut butter chocolate French toast. You guys are going to get fat just listening to me eat this. <laughs> so if, if you're trying to watch your weight, you might want to like turn your radio down or something right now. There's at least 300 calories coming through your headphones just because of what I've got in front of me. <laughs> Azima's eating fruit. She's, I don't know how you can be that disciplined. It's because disciplined. I already ate lunch yeah. before I came. But I have rosé, so. That's true. That's true. We're drinking. rosé. It is lunch. We should be drinking. Right? Was she on a Monday? Come on, now. That's right. <laughs> but, um, you know, New York is so expensive. Mm-hmm. Insanely expensive. Um, and there are times when it's like... Mm. It's amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> the eye in your, they got the, you know the emoji, the eyeball emoji? Oh, yeah. Those are my favorite. They're like, <laughs> um, yeah, New York is, is so expensive. And there are times when you're like, how is this going to work? But then the thing about New York is at the same time, you get a text like, hey, I have a gig for you tonight. And it's, super huge and it's like things just happen so fast right. so you of course have to be financially smart and like make sure you have things set in place to at least cover the basics and then when it rains money you save it or in my case you don't <laughs> <laughs> no I'm, I'm teasing but no it, you, it somehow works I feel like New York is a very generous city very generous and you could always make work for yourself I think 
Now back to the deal about selling your soul. I don't know if you know Christian Howes is a, is a jazz violinist. Spent a lot of time in New York City. Um, but I, I just was at his house in Asheville, North Carolina. And he was talking about how sometimes you've got to do... You've got to play the, the wedding or you've got to play the private party or whatever to stay alive, to fight another day yeah. so that you can do your art the way you want to do it. So, and it's... And, and people, there there are big time players that will take uh, a six hundred dollar gig somewhere. That's really not what they really wanted to do, but you know, six hundred bucks is six hundred bucks. Yeah, it goes towards recording whatever. Yeah. Cost. Yeah. And, and maybe it's not the music you wanted to play, but you're playing, and you're getting paid to play, and you don't know who's going to see you, and who's you know that something may come out of that. Right. And if it and if it didn't really fill your soul. Then take your six hundred bucks and go home and practice. Yeah, and play what you want to play. I mean, that's my attitude too. You gotta eat. There are way worse ways to make money. Like I can't believe I make money by doing gigs in the first place. You know, so and teaching, teaching. I mean, if you, I think teaching is smart, mm. especially when you want when you need like steady income. But this fall, this will be the first time I'm solely just performing. And that's going to be, um, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, we were talking actually earlier before we started rolling tape about how, how teaching can make you a better player. Because it sort of makes you think about things. Maybe I've got to put this into words, a thing that I was just doing in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and it maybe solidifies it in your head. So for that reason, I sort of enjoy teaching, but it does take a lot of time, and it takes a lot of energy. Energy. A lot of energy. Because you, like, love those little kids, or whatever age you're teaching so much, and you're, like, trying to figure out how can they play the violin more easily, what can I do, like, what one thing can I say that will, you know, there's usually one thing that can fix a lot of things, so I try to find that one thing that'll change this, 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 and this. It's a lot of working. But you're right, and then you have to think about it in your own playing, like, man, maybe I should think about relaxing my bicep here. Like I, I just, just told my like, student. <laughs> what what how much what percentage of things do you tell your students that you're like, gosh, I think I really should be saying that to myself. Right. Or like, you know, I was talking about the pinky and they're like, But Miss E, your pinky's not on the bow. I'm like <laughs> It's like doing the whole <laughs> You get as good as me, you can take your pinky off. Yeah. <laughs> A master collaborator, Azima teams up here with her beatboxing friend, Ken Urban, to cover the hottest tune of the summer, Despacito, and mashes it up with Shape of You by Ed Sheeran. Snap our fingers, and you could have the career 
that you want, you're playing the kind of music you want, you're doing what you want to do, what what would that look like? Oh, well, um, man, that's a really easy question for me, but also hard to articulate because in many ways I'm doing the things now, like I'm working on an album and it's, the concept is symphonic sounds in like a hip-hop space mm -hmm. and like I would you know um the visuals are like there's an orchestra and they're performing and I come out on the soloist but it's like hip-hop and trap and like a very like you know urban sound and using my voice as a classical artist to branch into those other types of markets is like a very important thing to me and actually I'm about to um sign a contract with I can't really name it yeah, but with a modeling agency and working with branding and doing stuff with campaigns and really just becoming an image for a lot of specifically black and Latino kids that classical instruments are for you. And then also using that image just to encourage more people into the classical world. Because everything I do, even in my improv, is very classical. Like, I am not a jazz violinist, I'm not, I'm a classical violinist, and, um, that's very, that's my, my style and what I do in the solos and improv and everything like that. So, so that's kind of my, I guess my vision for it, and I want to give TED Talks one day and, like, you know, play for the White House, and maybe it's a and like, you know, do stuff like that and, and really be a role model, I think, and a visionary. And you know, another thing is also, like with this symphony that I'm making, I would love for other artists to sample it and like use it for their own music and for it to be reimagined in their own context. So, but the thing is a lot of that stuff I'm working on now actually, which is, which is really amazing. Yeah. Like I'm, I, I feel, Am I where I want to be ultimately? No, but I I know I'm I'm like on that track. Finally on that track. Yeah, it's really exciting. I'm really excited for to announce a lot of things that are coming yeah. in my life. <laughs> yeah. So as as a classically trained person, a Suzuki trained person, talk a little bit about like how you discovered improv, right? Because that's right. not in the classical world. You know, I saw a discussion just the other day about somebody who posted this this uh, part of box sheet music where he they've got his original score and they're looking at well this he's got a half note here but it's a dotted quarter on the previous page and the same phrase what does he really mean by that and it's, we find ourselves so fascinated by what did the original artist really want us to yeah. do and the thought of having your own idea just well we can't do that you, you have to play it the way Bach and you can't vibrato in Bach and you can't this during yeah. that and, and like so where did the idea that, hey, I want to have my own voice and I want to play my own stuff. Where, where did that come from? Well, okay. You, you should know, I was always that kid in the studio. You know, like, you have their classical studios or whatever. And my studio was MSM, Manus, and Juilliard. So it was, like, all of us together. Like, fantastic players. But I was always the one that would, like, add an extra notes. On it, like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Like, they're on the page. Yeah, but I was like, oh, I didn't notice. Like, I'm just so, like... I just change rhythms, right? And, and my teachers would just be so frustrated. Like, you can't do that. You can't just add in notes. It sounds cool, but, like, you can't do that. You can't just ignore their phrasing and do what you want to do. And 
And so I've always kind of been, that's been more my wiring, I guess. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't like it when people tell me what to do, <laughs> that type of thing. And so I've always improvised. Just I never was taught or anything, but you know, I would just go on the radio and just play or just like make up songs. Like I would love to hear one of the songs I made up when I was eight, but I'm sure they were really dorky, but I would just make up stuff a lot. And even in like recitals, I would mess up, I'd just be like, all right, I'll just make up something and get out of it. Like, it's not a big deal. <laughs> my mom was my accompanist. My mom's a piano player, and yeah. she was my accompanist. And I can't tell you how many times that that happened. And she she knew that if I got lost, just she was to keep playing her part. And you'll just. And I would make something up and get myself back to where I knew where I was. And, but really, I think that should be really valued. I, I think. And my students, I have them write pieces all the time. Like, make write something to play for me next week. You can write it down or you can just memorize it. You know, like, I think that's so important. And, you know, I'm working on this album now. And, you know, before I was you know, just going through the process, and I found that because of my training, it's hard to create something new. Like, I'm, I'm so used to recreating what someone's done that when it comes to... I really had to push through like something. I don't know what it was, but to finally be able to have my own creative voice, which is sad. Like, I mean, yes, you're a classical artist. Yes, you create stuff, but should that be any different than being a painter? Like, should your creativity be limited limited to only what's been done? I really think that education needs to be changed. That everyone's learning how to compose and write and and imagine their own things. So. And we've talked about this with other players, too. Um, I'm headed to Mark Wood's house for dinner tonight. He and I talked about this in episode one, where guitar teachers don't teach like that. Right. You know, a guitar teacher starts the first lesson by the kid coming in and going, okay, kid, what inspires you? What do you want to play? Well, I like ACDC. Okay, let's learn some ACDC. Lesson one. Right. We're going to pull out, we're going to Thunderstruck. Let's pull out and teach how to play Thunderstruck. Right. And we'll teach all the techniques by teaching those Thunder, songs yeah. where violin teachers are like well I don't care what you want to play you're going to play Twinkle and you're going to play Lightly Road and then you're going to play it's some scales yeah mm -hmm. and so I, you know it's, it's years before a violinist gets to go well hey I want to play this right and and the teacher goes okay it's sad and I mean a part of it is I think the violin is just so hard so hard that I think it's like you can't a lot of times, you know, for some some students of mine, like, oh, I want to play Rockabye by Clean Bandit. It's like, yes, yeah. let's try. But, like, I know you don't have all of the skills yet to learn it, you know? It's like, it's hard. But, um, actually, next week is my student's recital. And my friend is an amazing beatboxer. One of the, like, best beat He's, like, tours and stuff. But he's coming to the recital. We're playing Pocketbook's Cannon. We're, like, doing small loops. It's, like, a very, like, watered-down version. And we're just gonna hold that eight, um, eight bar loop, and he's gonna beatbox over it. Awesome. And they're just gonna like, like. Do mind. they know he's coming? Or you gonna I told them, but it's an, it's a surprise. So he's gonna come rehearse with us next week, and then we'll do the thing. And they're just gonna. He's incredible. Um, but I think, I think the key for teachers is maybe like a student is in a place where they can just learn. Devil went down to Georgia. Like you can't learn that. You aren't. That's true. You don't know how to play it. I'm sorry, sweetie, but. But there are ways you can still teach them other things that are cool and, you know, or play a beat and have them do open string rhythm. They do it all the time. Like, and they love it. So I, 
but yeah, you're right. It's so sad that the violin is so boxily taught. Yeah, boxily. The boxily. That's taught. a new word. We're That's a new word. Yeah. A new word. You guys write that down. All right, here's another cover. This one is called Did You See by Jay Huss. So you have an electric violin. We've actually talked quite a mm-hmm. bit about this before. You've got an NS design. NS designs. An XT violin. In fact, I think you just got it back from them, right? Uh-huh. They, they had to they had to soup that thing up for you or something. I need some repairs. Sounding great. So where did you sort of discover electric violin and how you wanted to, to get into that? Um, well, you know, I don't really remember exactly how it happened, but it was one of those things where, like, I, you know, I came in, you were like, oh, what's this? Let me buy it. I'm kind of like that. So I, I was like, oh, I want to do other types of gigs, but I feel like the violin I have isn't appropriate. Let me buy an electric violin. It was like a very just... So I called um, this uh, Acavalo Violins in Omaha, which is where I'm, I'm from, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I talked to Alex. He's like, NS is amazing. It's a good, really, you know, the violin I have is like, super expensive, but it sounds right. good. And like, so I just bought it. Yeah, the NXT is a great product. It sounds great. I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting another violin. Well, several, but I'm gonna get another one. <laughs> you can't and have too many violins. You can have, I'm, I'm this amazing artist, Bradley Theodore, mm-hmm. and he's gonna paint it. Oh, and I nice. really want. You know, it's interesting. I love, I just love the shape of the acoustic violin. Electric violins are cool, and I like them, but there are times that I want to be able to just play a real-looking violin, yeah. you know, for certain situations. I, I'm going to buy the Realist. Yeah. For the plug-in. Yeah, we deal in Realists, and actually, uh, we should talk. Yes, um, there I are, actually want to talk to you. There are some other violins out there that I think you would like equally well, maybe for different reasons. Yeah. So we should talk. I really need to upgrade my violin game, I think. Yeah. Because... Never mind. <laughs> you, you cannot have too many. You can't have too many, exactly. And, and, you know, I work at Electric Violin Shop. I get to play every instrument out there that's worth playing. And and people are always asking me, well, which one do you like best? And I said, well, it's sort of like when I've got my toolbox. Yeah. Which tool do I like best? Well, the one I need for the job I'm doing. Right. If I got a pound and a nail, the screwdriver isn't going to get it. Isn't going to get it. So, you need a... you know, I need a hammer. So, right. depending on the application, that's why guitar players have 500 guitars, because each one is good for what it's good for. Yeah. Now, violins, I think, are, um, depending on the player, can be super versatile. Um, I'm talking to uh, Earl Manian, 
tomorrow. Oh, yeah, I Earl. know him. But Earl plays like heavy metal mm-hmm. on an acoustic violin. Mm-hmm. So he can make that thing do whatever. And so, I mean, they are versatile instruments, but on the other hand, there are some that are, I mean, you can do some things with certain violins that maybe they do a little better than other violins. Right. And I mean, I just haven't found a pickup that I like. I mean, I would much rather play an acoustic instrument. I just... Mainly because in settings, I can't hear. Right. The sound situation isn't good enough that I don't actually really know. I just have to trust, like, that I'm in tune. I can't hear. Because a lot of these situations, the speaker is such, isn't, it's not good, right. but I really prefer an acoustic instrument, but I don't have a good enough pickup. The one I have sounds like trash. All right, this is another hashtag challenge. This time, it's the hashtag unforgettable dance challenge. Definitely check out her video on YouTube. It is fantastic. Now, while we're here, let's talk about our sponsor, Coda Bow. You can't possibly understand how big a difference a quality bow will make in your playing until you've tried one. And Coda Bow has a wide range of products that will definitely get you playing better, whether you're looking for power, agility, or buttery smoothness. Now, we've talked before about how nearly indestructible their bows are, how well they deal with extreme weather conditions. But let's be honest, even on a concert stage in a climate-controlled environment and when you're not worried about breaking your bow, these are fantastic bows. The beauty of carbon fiber is that you can get a great quality bow at a much lower price than a comparable quality wood bow. Carbon fiber is so much more predictable and repeatable than wood so it's cheaper to make a quality stick that pulls great and feels balanced in your hand. Check out the different Coda Bow products at CodaBow.com or purchase a bow at ElectricViolinShop.com. Got him in NS Design Viola to mess around oh, with. Really? Um, he's, he's, he's hanging out with that right now. Um, I get it hilarious. But just, I mean, just name drop. Give us the name of some, some really cool people that you've worked with in town oh. and some of the cool stuff they're doing. 
Well, Drew, um, see you Sarah Tarnas? Yeah. She's another Viper. You're reviewing her tomorrow. Oh, she's awesome. Um, who else? You mean violinist I've worked with? No, anybody. Anybody. Okay. Uh, let's see. Mac Miller. I did the strings for that. Um, Ty Dolla Sign. I have a lot of hip-hop artists. Um, in New York. Who else? I mean, you just have a Robert Glasper, hmm. which is like really cool. Um, Clean Bandit, I'm touring with. Yeah, you mentioned them earlier. You were you were with them on like the Today Show or something, right? Yeah, we did a bunch of stuff together, and then I'm going to be in Europe with them this summer. Okay. Um, yeah, doing touring with them and like working on doing recording for them. Um, who else? A lot of producers, like Just Blaze, Drama Boy, who's in Atlanta, kind of close to you. Um, who else? I'm like. Right now I'm working with two producers from Juilliard, actually. They're okay. classical composers and producers that's going to be in the symphony with. Um, but yeah, just like whoever, you know. Um, and people just kind of call me. Like, I've done a lot of sessions with people that you probably wouldn't know necessarily. But those are like the big, big people. How much of that do you think has come from your sort of Instagram fame? Um... Well, I think a lot of these people I was working with before the Instagram thing happened, um, just because I think when people need a specific skill, like, they kind of just find you. Right. Um, but the Instagram stuff has, I think, just validated things for a lot of people. Like, somehow a number makes me more worth it. Or, like, I can now charge more. Or, like, you know, that's Which that is good, right? Which is great. No, I'm so grateful. But it's kind of... I mean, I've gotten a lot of requests now... But not necessarily from musicians. I don't really think musicians necessarily follow me. I think it's just more people who like what I do and, you know, so I get, like, requests from them for, like, events and parties and around that type of thing. But, you know, interestingly, like, the Instagram thing hasn't really affected my collaborations as much. I mean, somebody just, you know, somebody just hit me up after another violinist. I don't say his name, but... I don't know. I don't want to keep doing covers. I'm getting... I'm, that's coming to an end. Yeah. This cover thing. It's like, cool, it's awesome, but it's like, going to do a few more, then I'm just going to chill with covers. Well, tell me, you just did a video, the one, uh, the, the no makeup video, right? Which one? Uh, oh, for Kendrick. Kendrick yeah. Lamar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so talk to a little bit about that and sort of how all that's set up. And um, I mean, I came back from Haiti, met this super great photographer out there who was like, we were on the plane together coming home. Um, from Haiti, drinking Hennessy, white Hennessy, <laughs> and <laughs> you can edit that out, but anyway, um, I was just like, I love this song, I would love to do a video, he's like, I'll shoot you tomorrow, <laughs> so I figure out what I'm going to play, because it's pre-recorded, obviously, right. and then I, you know, we went to the Brooklyn Bridge and shot it, and it was, it was cool, I love that song, Humble. So. Yeah, it's gotten a lot of attention, I think. Yeah! <laughs> so, do you find, like, it's funny, because that video was just sort of an Hey, let's hey, let's do it. Just the wild hair yeah. thing, and then the mask off, which blew up, which is sort of a wild hair. And I, and I found that with some of my stuff on a much more limited uh, success level. But it's it's sort of like these afterthoughts, sort of this musical afterthought that just takes off. I, I think people respond respond best to when it feels organic. I noticed that the, the videos that I do that post that do the best are the ones that feel the most just. Let me just do it. The least, uh, often the least work. 
it's interesting because I think people can tell, and I think people like the spontaneity of it. Like with NASCAR, I was actually improvising, and, and you know, when it's pure recorded, you can't obviously do that. Right. Um, but I think people like that, and they know that on some level. So. Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask you if you if that's what you thought it was. Yeah, I think that's a part of it. I think, yeah, and it was already going, and the song's hot, and like I think there were a lot of factors. Yeah. Yeah. So. We, uh, we've started sort of a hashtag called hashtag one take and post. <clears throat> and you just you turn the great. camera on and whatever the next 60 seconds are, you just discipline yourself to, hey, I'm going to record for 60 seconds and post it. And a lot of people started doing that. And I think the authenticity there yeah, is really cool. Yeah, I that. <clears throat> one, um... one take and post. Um, and it's been, there hasn't been a lot of them. But the ones that, that are happening are are cool. It's like, you know, there's a mistake in there. And right. I had a note that was out of tune. Right. And gosh, but I was a little so ahead on real. that. But you know what? It is what it is. And, and I think it's, like you said, it's it's real for people. Um, yeah, I think people like like that. You wouldn't. I think, and I think it's a response also to the music industry these days. Everything is so, like, processed and like manufactured and like I think people like to see like kind of the whole like oh embrace your cellulite like same thing with like music they want that authenticity they want oh maybe it was a little out of tune or right. not that you should do that intentionally but like yeah. I think that's part of it I mean I think the whole point of music is to to convey emotion right right and if something is so sterile and perfect how, how emotional is that? Yeah. So, yeah, trust me. I mean, you can go back and listen to some of the old Beatles recordings, and you can hear, like, dude, John's guitar was out of tune. <laughs> but it, they captured the emotion that they wanted. Right. They said, yeah, that, right. that's good. I agree 100%. So, yeah, I think to an extent with the loudness wars on radio and with just because there's digital punching and it's so easy... To, oh, can we just correct that one note? Yeah. And, and, and sometimes you can, I, I don't say always, but I think sometimes you can suck the soul out yeah, of Yeah, because it comes to perfect sounding. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And trust me, I'm a perfect, like in the studio, I'm such a like, okay, this needs to be like, like I'm very insanely perfectionist. I have literally done more than 100 takes <laughs> on, on a passage in my studio at home. Wow. Like, I'm going to get this right. And, well, I mean, it's close, but I think I can do better. And, I mean, I've literally been over 100 takes. And, of course, you know, it keeps track, you know, how many takes. And, and I was so disappointed. When <laughs> I looked, I was like, I knew it was a lot. I didn't know it was that many. 100? Oh, wow. Um, I don't know if that means I'm just that bad a player or if I'm just that picky a listener. Yeah, that, I mean, picky is good, I think. It, it is, especially in your practice room. Yeah. But that's one of the reasons the one take and post thing was so challenging for me because it's like I'm not gonna sit here and film myself doing this 40 times and then pick my favorite one. My time's more valuable than that. Uh, yeah. I could be actually practicing. Yeah. And the thing is, the nice thing on social media is that I've been using it to help me practice in some ways. That's true. I'm like, oh, I want to post. I'm working on Paganini number 24. Such a bitch. And I'm like, I'm gonna post this on Wednesday. This chunk on Wednesday. I'm like, like. Because I don't, I'm not in school anymore, and I'm not performing it. Like it's like, I think that social media helps to, yeah, encourage classical practice. That's true. Yeah. 
And, uh, and I think one of the things I like about electric violin is it's so much easier to record. Oh, yeah. Just, just plug it in. Yeah. And, and I think that recording and listening to yourself will make you better fast. Fast. Very fast. I think also to see, like, I also like to see the wavelengths. Yeah. I think it somehow translates. It, it's a really cool, and I, and I, it teaches me a lot, I think. It helps me a lot with timing. Yeah. Because I think classically trained players tend to play in front of the beat. Oh, God, it was so... So when you yeah. see those waveforms, you see where it's, gosh, I was like a half an hour ahead of the click yeah. on that. I've got to learn to lay back. I mean, that's the one thing that's I've gotten so much better for me, is like, especially playing hip-hop, is you've got to like... To lay die. way back. you yeah. got to be so back. And I, before, I was just like, like, chill, 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 girl. Take a deep breath. Just chill. What's the rush? So that's been really cool. Is my rhythm has developed so much since I've been in school. Yeah. So. so talk about your your practice routine and what does that look like? I'm a morning practicer. So for me, I wake up, I do scales. Um, my days vary um, depending on what's happening. So tomorrow I'm actually going. I'm going to be on the Angie Martinez radio show. She's like like one of the biggest radio things in like the city so I'm doing that so I'm going to do scales and leave or like on other days like today which is much more I do scales I go have my trainer and then I come back and I do more scales and my super game like so I, I like to practice in the morning and I'd say scales and etudes and Paganini are like my because I play so much pop and stuff, I think it's very, very, very easy to lose your chops. Mm -hmm. Because pop is, it's not challenging. Um, even if you do fancy stuff, it's not, it doesn't push you the way that classical music pushes you. So I try to make sure I do something every day. Really hard. I need to do the whole thing, but just something. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's kind of my... But I'm definitely a morning person. But then, you know, there's times I come back at night and I have to practice for a gig or like work on my album. And so I do that stuff at night because um, it's quiet. Um, so I just use a microphone to record. And I'm actually working on the drafts for my album. So my producer send me stuff and I work on it at home, you know, kind of crude outlines. And then I send it back to them and we kind of go back and forth like that. So that's how I, I do those things at night. Classical in the morning, Awesome. So you, like you said, you are headed to Europe this summer. Yeah, I leave June 13th. So you're gone how long? I'll be back September 4th, 3rd. So the big bus tour with Clean Bandit over there, or fly, a lot of fly dates or whatever. Yeah, all over Europe. So awesome. I'm excited. They're, they're, they're dope. They're so cool. And also we're doing a lot of classical stuff because Grace... In the band, she's a cellist, yeah. so we're doing classical quartets too. So it'll be really, it'll be fun. And then I'm also doing, I'm learning how to DJ. Um, so I'm going to be doing my stuff and then working on my own things, collaborating. And um, I actually just got a modeling contract with like an international thing, so I'll be doing stuff on London when I'm there. So it'll be really busy, but I'm excited to branch out into a whole new market. Yeah. So I feel like New York, it's like. I've kind of got it. You know, I have a lot to do, but it's like, sure. I'm super comfortable here. Um, so I'm trying to branch out. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, I guess give everybody your, your website, maybe information on, on the album that's coming out cool. soon. 
Um, so my information, my name is Azima, and my website is IamAzima.com, and all of my socials are at IamAzima, which is I am, like I am Sam, I A M. Then my name is E Z I N M A, and my album will be out at the end of the year. Um, it's a uh, will be a full visual album too, um, and the concept, like I mentioned, is there's a symphony in it, and then the rest it'll feature quartet and a lot of pretty hip hop beats. So. so, have you hired a symphony to do this, or are you doing all the symphony stuff yourself? No, the symphony. So, a lot of sampling for the symphony. Okay. Um, I'm not gonna hire a symphony. Probably for the visuals, I'll have a full symphony, but it's not actually a symphony playing. But quartet and then some string synths. Awesome. <laughs> Taboo, I hate streak sims, but some of them sound really good. No, it's, it's, they sound really good, but I can't afford them. Whatever, if it sounds good, then it is good. Yeah, that's, you're right. That's the test. If it sounds good, good it is then good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I'm working on. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, oh, for chatting with me, and um, you guys check her out, and uh, keep coming back to Rockstar Violinist. We're gonna have more awesome people to talk to. So that's another interview in the bag. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're on. And if you really want to help, please give us a rating and a review on that platform as well. We've got more exciting interviews coming your way, so stay tuned, and we will see you in two weeks for another Rockstar Violinist. Violinist.